0: Hey, church. So glad that you guys are here. This weekend is going to be very special. We have Jake here, our new student pastor. He's going to be speaking for us. So we're going to take a little time and get to know Jake. So, Jake, I uh, I hear that you've been uh, holding some secrets out on us, or just me. Um, I found out that your name is really James. So I would just like to hear all about your life and maybe some of the secrets that you've been holding for me.
1: I, I I do apologize that, that I deceived you <laughs> that, that i didn't know that was such a big deal but yeah i think uh my mom liked uh jake and my dad liked james and so everything official is james james michael and um but i go by jake so if i'm walking down the street and you yell out james I, I probably won't turn around I, you know i just keep walking. um but uh, other secrets man i don't know if i have any other secrets uh You know, I don't don't tend to have a ton of secrets, but I grew up here in Rapid City, Um, love, love Rapid City. I'm so excited to get to be home um, and be a part of Fountain Springs. And um, married, been married 17 years, almost 17 years, and to a wonderful Dutch woman. She uh, is an amazing girl and we have two daughters. Hannah is nine and Kira is seven. And they're excited to be here also.
0: Very cool. So you grew up in Rapid City. Yep. I heard that you did a lot of things while you were in middle school and high school. Yep. Were always involved. I hear you were even a choir boy. That's awesome. So what other yep. things did you do?
1: I don't know if I'd say I was a choir boy, and I couldn't really sing, and I can't sing now, but I think I was more there for, there's a lot of girls in the choir, so I, you know, that's one of the reasons I why I took choir. Know, yeah, it yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but I was, I was in band. I, played, I was a drummer in the band um, at Stevens, and I... Um, Played four sports, football, basketball, baseball, track, um, student council, all kinds of stuff growing up. Uh, involved in my church. I worked at a camp during the summer.
0: Um, I, even, I also hear you were a cowboy.
1: I, I, w- I was. I had the big belt buckle and the hat and the Wrangler shirt. And, and during the summer, I'd, I'd, I'd drop the jock status and go to uh, being a cowboy. That's pretty neat. You yep, even had a little straw out of my... <laughs> it was pretty you good. Went all out. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So I can train and ride horses and all kinds of stuff. Wow. Killed okay. R- well, r- killed rattlesnakes with my bare hands.
0: Really? No. Okay. I was gonna say. I was like, that's intense. That okay. <laughs> <It> is dumb. Okay. Is dumb. So uh, either or, would you like to have an extra arm or an extra leg?
1: Arm. Mm. I don't because the legs. This would be awkward. <laughs> I, learning, I Learning. I struggle to walk with two, <laughs> let alone you know having one extra leg. But having you know yeah. do do stuff could be typing over here and coffee here or whatever. Oh, that's good.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so here's another one. Would you rather be part of Star Wars, like the movies, Mm -hmm. or would you rather be part of, like, Lord of the Rings?
1: Star Wars. Okay. Han Solo, Chewbacca, Luke Skywalker.
0: What character would you like to be if you were in Star Wars? Chewbacca? Would that (laughs) be...
1: I like Chewbacca, I don't know if I'd want to, you don't talk, you know.
0: Could you make the Chewbacca noise? (laughs) (laughs) That's good, that's good. I I think you should try out sometime.
1: Uh, I heard they're making some more. Yes. I think Han Solo, just because he was, you know, the whole love question, she, Princess Leia says, I love you, and he just, I know. I don't know, that's just, he just seemed cool. That's good.
0: So, you're going to be preaching this weekend. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be preaching about.
1: Well, I think for both of you and I, one of our passions is the next generation. And, um, you know, if you look outside of the Midwest, the next generation just has the soil is not good on what they're doing. And and it's amazing the kids that we have in our church and where they're going um, is really away from the church. And those are the kids that we have. Um, And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about what God has for the next generation and and what that is. And and you have some examples from camp that we were at um, just just a bit ago and how exciting it is to be a part of a church that loves the next generation.
0: Well, church, I'm very excited to hear what Jake has to say. I'm excited that he's here. So if you guys would, give him a big round of applause as he comes up and speaks to us.
1: Welcome to Fountain Springs. We are so glad that you're here. It is an honor for me to be on stage. Um, I moved into our house on Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, and they said, hey, why don't you preach next weekend? I said, okay. No, they gave me more warning than that, but it is an honor to be here. Uh, My my wife and I are excited. My two girls are excited to be back in... um, Rapid City, we've been gone for 12 years, and my oldest daughter always said, Dad, when I'm old enough, I'm moving to Rapid City, and she just gets to do it earlier now. She's nine, so that was pretty exciting for her. Um, so welcome to all of you. We are glad that you're here. Um, welcome to those of you who are on vacation or are watching online, or maybe you're all over the country watching, who knows, and also to you RCMU guys. We're just honored to have you with us and be a part of the campus downtown there, and um, you know, this is, this is a neat day for me, Okay. Um, I'm excited to be back in my hometown, but it's also, you know, it's student takeover weekend. One of my passions, if not my passion, I love the family, but one of my passions is teenagers. And so how cool is it to watch them lead you to Him? That deserves like something. You guys had to like, you know. The thing... The thing that I love about these students, and I was able to fly out to camp. I flew out to camp and then flew back home and moved right after camp. And the thing that I love about these students is yeah, they have talent. They have all these cool things going on in their lives but they, they they love to just worship God, and that's what they were doing. They, they just were transparent and just worshiping God and, and leading you in the midst, and and I think that's what the students do here at this church is they just lead, and what a cool opportunity. Now today, it, it, my message is a little bit different than I normally would give, all right? So the first part of my message, and it's kind of intertwined as we go through it, but I'm kind of given a state of the union of where the, the next generation is, where they're at, what's going on. Um, you know, we live in the Midwest, and I've lived in the Midwest most of my life. I have, some, I have a sibling living on, in California in the, in the West Coast, but um, I've spent most of my my ministry days in the Midwest. But as you study the coast, and especially we're almost two co- different countries, things are weird. A lot of church planters are moving to the coast because God is starting to not exist there. I mean, He's still there, but churches are, are diminishing and things are happening there that are, that are amazing. And we find that, that those trends that happen on the coast eventually get to the Midwest. However many years that happens, who knows? I'm not that smart. Um, but so we're going to kind of give a state of the union about where the next generation is and what we can do to impact them but I don't think that's enough I'm kind of a pastor at heart Um, I am a pastor at heart I love to just pastor people students adults it doesn't matter Um, and so when you leave these doors today I want you to kind of have something inside of you that you just go I I need to work on that I need I I, I need that makes sense to me and so I want you to kind of, as I call it, I want you to be wrecked a little bit, and that's in a good way, not like a car crash, that wouldn't be good, all right, but just kind of be wrecked just a little bit as, as we go through this, this message. So we're going to look at Matthew 13, and at camp we actually studied out the four different soils in Matthew 13, it's a parable, and, and it was an amazing thing to watch the students go, well, that's where I am. And it was awesome, but what Matthew 13 is really talking about is two different kinds of people. One person who hears about Jesus, who hears the gospel, who hears the word of God, and kind of, you know, they say, yeah, I want to do that, and maybe they get baptized and all that kind of stuff, but it never really changes who they are. They kind of just stay the same. And they just go on with their life and maybe on Saturday or Sunday or whatever the day they go to church, they kind of, that's when they decide, well, I'm going to be a Christian this day. And then there's this other group of people that they hear the same word, they hear the same thing and, and and, and their life changes forever. It's from the inside out and things are different and it permeates their job and it permeates their family and it just goes just all over the place. And that's what Matthew 13 is really talking about. So before we get into this too deep, I'd like to just pause a little bit and let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me the direct call to come back to home and to be a part of this family. It is an honor for me and my wife and my girls, so I just thank you. I just ask that you continue to be in today's service, that you would just impact um, all of us, that you would change all of us, that you would wreck all of us, and that you do not these people don't see us on stage, that we are just transparent, that it continually is being pushed towards you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. You are it. And we thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the things that we want you to know, we're in this series of four things that we wish that you knew about God. And one of the things that we want you to know is that, and this is a hard, this is, you may not think this is a hard concept. Some of you will go, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty easy. But, we want, but some of you, this is going to be pretty hard. You have to understand and grasp that God believes in you. You personally. That God believes in you, he believes in me, more than we can understand, more than we can comprehend, more than we can wrap our our puny little hands around and grasp. That he believes in us. And this is huge. You know, I I grew up here in Rapid City, and I had a Spanish teacher at Rapid City uh, Stevens. Her name was Profe Pal. Anybody have Profe Pal? All right, we got a couple here. Uh, Profe Powell. She taught a long time. She's no longer on this earth anymore. But Profe Powell, um, she 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 loved our family. Okay, I had an older sister. I still have an older sister. Uh, her name's Jill, and she lives on the west coast. And she was one of those like academic um, gurus, geniuses. I don't know. She like went to school and then came home right after school. Didn't even have a snack, which didn't make sense to me. And went to her room and studied for 17 hours and then, then went back to school and she thought that was fun, okay? And so Profe Powell thought she was all that, all right? And so I'm the little brother and I come into Profe Powell's room and she just lights up. You know, I don't, I don't know how girls do it, but she just lights up and she's just like, oh, you're Jill's little brother. And I'm like, I am, you know, I didn't. I hated that. You know, I was a little brother. I was a freshman. My sister was a senior, and and she's you're Jill's little brother. And she was so excited to have another Killinger in the in the class. Well, that, that didn't go real long that she was really that excited <laughs> for me to be in there. We we had Spanish names, and my Spanish name was Miguel. I don't know why my name's Jake, but they they you called me. I was Miguel Rodriguez. Total like alter ego when you go into Spanish class. And she would look at me constantly and be going, Miguel, 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 Miguel. And I just, I, <laughs> right? Because most of my Spanish education I got at Taco Bell. And, <laughs> you know, taco, burrito. And so I just thought you can add an O to the end of whatever. So she, we'd have these audible tests. And she would go, um, you know, she just, you know, whatever, something like that. And so I would just look at her and say, well, Profe Paolo, and she would just look at me and go, Miguel, 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 Miguel. And you know what I have realized just in the past five, six, seven, eight years is that that's the way I thought God looked at me, that he looked at me with, with love, because I know Profe Paolo loved me, but he looked at me and went, Jake, 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 Jake. Constantly, that's the way I was viewing God's view of me. And that is so different than the truth because the truth is that God believes in us more than we understand, more than we grasp, more than we even can comprehend. He loves us dearly. So much that he wants the best for us as long as we follow what he has. And instead of saying, Jake, 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 He looks at me and goes, wow, Jake, that's that's mine. And he says that for each one of us in this room. And it's so hard for some of us to look in the mirror and go, you know what, God believes in me. Because we think he doesn't. Now, being Youth Takeover Weekend, I want to talk a little bit about the next generation, and like I said, I'm going to pop around a little bit more than I usually would, but so focus with me, all right? Can you say okay? That was lousy. Can you say okay? Okay, Okay, good. That's pretty good. I'm impressed. You guys are learning, all right? So I want to talk a little bit about the next generation. So this applies to all of us, which is really cool, all right? So I want to start by reading Matthew 13, all right? Now, this is a parable. Matthew 13, 1 through 9 is the parable of the soil, parable of the seed, Okay? And if you know anything about a parable, what a parable is, is it it is just a, the way that, that Jesus was speaking to the people at that time. So the group of people that he was talking to was about 90% farmers. All right? So these guys and gals, they knew soil. They knew what soil was about. They knew about planting seed. It was vital to them. All right, and so if, if Jesus was up here on stage right now, he'd probably tell you something about Rapid City that we would all understand and go, "Oh, that makes total sense," or about Mount Rushmore, or or about the Black Hills that we'd all go, "That makes," or about the best NFL football team, the Denver Broncos. We'd all just go, "Oh yeah, it makes total sense," right? So that's probably he'd use some sort of analogy like that. Some of you are already like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm done with him." He talked about he said the B word. I'm not going to do that again. All right. I just heard that, I'm not going to say any names, but there's some senior leaders that cheer for the wrong team. I don't know. They'll get to know Jesus pretty soon. Um, (laughs) He's on vacation, so I can say that. Um, So here we go. We're going to get into this. It's the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. We're going to start just a shade before verse 4. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, so what you have to understand is that these paths, and it wasn't cement, but it was it was hard like cement. The way um, the the Middle Eastern is is when you walk on it, it becomes almost as hard as cement. And what these paths would do is they'd go right in through fields. So there'd be there'd be things growing on either side, and they would take the seed and they'd be planting it and they'd be throwing it along. And so people understood that when the stuff that lands on the, it'd be just like me taking seed right here and throwing it along the stage, what would happen to that seed? Nothing, right? It's going to sit there and somebody's going to, you know, I I don't think we have any birds in here. I was at Lowe's this week. They have birds there. I was fascinated by it. It's like, oh, this is cool. It's like I'm outside, but I'm not. But anyway, see, I get distracted. Sorry. All right. So it'd be like, you know, the birds came along and they ate it. So it wasn't good for anything really besides feeding the birds, all right, And that's just like in our lives, somebody who hears about Jesus and doesn't care. They, don't, they, just, they just ignore it. It's fallen on dry land and dry ears. It doesn't matter. So as we move on. Verse five, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse six, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, this is, we see this all the time in the Black Hills and I was fascinated by this when I was a little kid. You'd see these trees that start growing up out of the crevices of rocks and you'd just be looking at it and say, how is that tree surviving? But if you notice, not many, a couple of them, will we'll find a, you know an aquifer or river, but not many trees you found were very big coming out of those rocks because they didn't last. When things got hard, not like this year, um, but when you had droughts or, or a bad winter or something like that, they would die. And that's what this is. That's what the, this soil is talking about, that, that person who, who doesn't necessarily put their roots down deep, and when the pain of life, and the key word is there when, because the pain will come our way, and when the pain of life comes in, we wither because our roots aren't deep and we don't have that water source. If you notice, um, we just bought a house out in Somerset and right behind our house, there's, there's a, I haven't been back there yet, but it looks like there's a little stream. Why does it look like there's a little stream? Because there's trees all along it. And you see that all over South Dakota, which is awesome, that that's where they know, even if it dries up, it can go down below and go deep and there's gonna be something below it. And that's just like our lives. We have to find That life, that that living water. So, number seven, verse seven. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Now, this is just an amazing example that maybe you hear about the word, and these are thistles. And I I got bit by these yesterday. As I was picking them out, I forgot how thistly they are. Um, Is that the right word, thistly? It's like Sicily. Uh, Like I said, I get distracted really easy. but this is like, maybe represents good stuff in our lives. Family, friends, sports, working out, whatever it is for you. But this will choke you out if you let them take control. If they become first. It'll choke you out and it'll, it'll, it'll just remove God and that faith. And, and this was me at times. And maybe even your roots can be a little bit deeper in this section. But because we're so distracted, because we have to go here, 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 here. And we gotta be involved in this, 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 and this. We lose sight of what true faith and what faith in God really is. And then um, the last verse, verse 8: still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160, or 30 times what was sown. And that's this: soil. And what's amazing about soil is it's kind of the lifeblood of us. And I don't think we necessarily grasp that, and I've been able to be around farmers the past 12 years who grow corn and soybeans, and and I talk to them about dirt, and it's really weird. I don't know why we talk about dirt, but we talk about dirt, and if you really think about it, if we don't have good soil, it's amazing what we wouldn't have. Beef, it's what's for dinner? You have to have soil in order to have grass in order to produce the food that the, the cows eat. And it goes on and on and on and on. You know, I've traveled all over the world on mission trips and stuff like that. And you look at the countries that struggle, it all stems back to soil, which is interesting to study and understand. So God says he wants us to be in this good soil. It's like miracle growth soil, where you will produce amazing things. And this is what he believes in you to be in. He says, you know what, I want you here. I don't want you in any of these, I want you in this soil where you will do amazing things and be nourished and be happy. I talk about being in the will of God a lot. And it was so clear to my wife and I to come to Fountain Springs. I wasn't looking for a church. I was so, we were so excited to be in the church that we were at. It was an amazing place. They're hiring another youth pastor. I was gonna have a buddy to work with. In fact, he just started last weekend. Worked out great. I wasn't even there. And, and, he, and it was just an amazing place, but God said, you know what, that's not what I have for you. I want you here. And to be in the will of God, you, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else, and that's what this soil is talking about. Maybe that's why you're here today. Now, I would love to say that, that being a, a pastor to junior high and, and um, high school students for the past 17 years, that, that when I was their age, that I was a, a great example to follow, and I would love to say that I would love to teach off of that. But you know what? Here's the truth about me. I don't think I at once in my high school days did I ever live in that soil. I was shallow. Now, on the outside, I looked pretty good. I got good grades, except for in Prof. Powell's class, um, I, I got decent grades. I, I was a four-sport athlete. I, I was involved in a lot of different things. I was involved in my church. Um, I, never, I never cussed. I never did any. I never had a foul uh, mouth or anything like that. Um, every once in a while, I got hot, you know, headed in, in, in sports and stuff like that. But I was actually a pretty decent kid. I worked at a Christian ranch camp during the summer. But if you really got to know me and understand me, my roots were shallow because I let everything distract me from girls to sports to friends. Anything I could get that I could turn my eyes to instead of Jesus. In fact, during the school year, you take out my Bible and you go blow the dust off of it. But on the outside, I look good. Then one day, my junior year, February 25th of 1994, I was playing for Rhapsody Stevens and we were playing the Sturgis, um, I think they're called the Pooper Scoopers. Um, Is that right? No, that's not right. I'm just kidding. All right. I actually now live in Meade County, so I have to be a a scooper now. Um, But we were playing the Sturgis Scoopers, and I came home, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, and I walked into my house, and I found out that my dad had died. And what you know about teenagers is that, um, I was 16, almost 17, is that teenagers, when they come upon pain, when they come upon these major intense trials like this was for me, they go one of two ways. There's no in between. There's no neutral. They're either going to rebel and kind of fall off the stage, fall off the deep end, or they're going to just fully submit and commit to something. And at that particular point, it was about a week later after my dad's funeral, I sat in my room and I got on my knees and I said, you know what, God, no matter what, I choose this day that I cannot control my own life. I choose this day that I want to go deep with you. And since then, that's what we've been doing. Um, I went to college a year later and I went to Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa and I had basketball taken away from me. I broke an ankle and broke a shoulder and and so I ended up just saying I'm gonna be a youth pastor and and loved it and I became a youth pastor of a small Iowa church in the middle of a cornfield. um, Meriden Evangelical Free Church and and this town had 80 people and in our church we had 120 and I don't know where those extra 40 people came from. (laughs) Um, They like came out of the corn or something and is. Um, but it was an awesome place for me to learn during my college years, and then we moved back here, and we were, um, my wife and I were youth pastors here at First Presbyterian downtown for four years, and we learned a lot of cool things, we learned a lot of what not to do in ministry, and what's cool about that is there's so many students from that ministry 16 to, you know, 12 to 16 years ago um, that go to Fountain Springs now. Some of them are in the service, which is pretty cool for me to see and, and watch how involved they are, and that, that continues on from the seeds that we planted years ago. We lasted four years there, and then God called us the past 12 years out to Illinois, where we've been in a large church in Springfield, and, and loved Springfield, except for the humidity and that it was like flattered and flat. Um, and, but God had us there. That's where we were called. And wherever we have gone, we have strived to be in this soil, and we've strived to tell the next generation about Jesus. And we're excited for this next stage here. But what's amazing about this generation is that for a decade and a half of I've studied them and laboring over them, I want to be gut level honest with you right now. The soil in this next generation is not good. From the latest research, it shows that in just the past 10 years, so this is actually from 2004 to 2014 when the study was done, drop in prayer among teenagers than just teens 10 years ago. 10% drop in Bible engagement. 9% drop in church attendance. And that is in the kids that we already have. So what that means is if you take the attendance of every single youth group across America, it's declining. Scary to me a little bit. What that is also doing is that the spiritual disengagement is playing itself out ethically as well. The Barna organization did a study three years ago on the up-and-coming generation. And this study was amazing. And what it found is that this up-and-coming generation is significantly significantly further outside the boundaries, um, outside the plans that God has for their lives than any other generation that has ever come across the earth. Here's some statistics. It says it's nine times more likely than the baby boomers to engage in sex outside of marriage in the past seven days, six times more likely to lie in the past seven days, three times more likely to become drunk, and eight times more likely to have observed pornography than the generation of the baby boomers. And you maybe heard this until you know, you're, you're numb a little bit, but it's the, the statistic is one in five 20-somethings that were in our church as teenagers, one in five are keeping the same spiritual engagement that they had in their teen years through their, their 20s. So, what that means is four out of every five teenagers that we have in our churches now. These aren't even the teenagers we're trying to reach. These are teenagers in our churches all over America right now are leaving the church and never coming back. Great sermon, isn't it? Everybody's going, like, yeah, this guy rocks. Now, I don't know about you guys. But if I ran a business, I'd be calling time out. I'd be calling in consultants, I'd be doing all this different stuff to, to, to have a meeting of the minds to say, what are we going to do to impact this next generation? They're leaving us in groves. It's, 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 it makes me wonder, how should we as a church in America be reaching this next generation? Well, there's a passage of the Bible where Jesus is surrounded by um, little children, and, and I love this passage of Scripture, and I never fully grasped it till I had kids. But it's this passage where, where he uses this really strong kind of belligerent language towards the adults that were around these kids, and he was warning them about messing with these kids. In fact, this is the language he used. He says, it'd be better for you to have a huge stone around your neck and you jump into the deepest part of the ocean than to mess with the next generation or that it might be better if you were never born than to mess with the next generation. Such strong language, and I never understood it until I had my daughters. You know, and if somebody comes and wants to lead them along uh, the wrong direction, it better, you know, it's probably not just gonna be harsh words that are coming out of my mouth, right? I'm gonna be polishing that gun a little bit, and then I'm gonna be going after somebody, because that's, we have this, as men, as fathers, we have this protective spirit over our kids. And that's what Jesus had over the next generation. He says that the kingdom belongs to them. And if anybody comes along and moves them away from that kingdom, man, it's going to be bad news. Bad news for them. And here's the honest thing that I've noticed about Fountain Springs you all have that same spirit towards your next generation. You all say, you know what? These are our kids. You know, I have the advantage um, for the next six months to kind of have fresh eyes at Fountain Springs, because I was in a church for a long time, and I was not—I was one of—I was the longest staff member, and I—you become blind to things. It just is normal. So for the next six months, I get to actually kind of evaluate everything that Fountain Springs is doing, and 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 usually people listen. And the thing that I noticed about this place, my first time in Fountain Springs was Mother's Day weekend. That's the weekend I candidated, the blizzard weekend. Hey, that was awesome. Um, I loved it. I didn't have a coat, but I loved it. Um, And the thing that I noticed right from the beginning is that this church is different than any other church I've ever been a part of. And you all love to clap. You're just like, woo. You guys, I love that. All right. But here's the amazing thing. this church, And what should happen is that every youth pastor, every other congregation in the country could should come see how you do it because this is what you do. You give your students every opportunity to be in this soil. And you make it a priority. You make, you make sure that no kid is left behind. And you say, you know what? I want every kid to be in, have the opportunity to be in this soil. It's up to them to be in that soil because it's their life but we want to provide that way. And it's so amazing to me. You know, this is youth takeover weekend, but what's crazy about it is it's really no different than any other weekend. They're wearing shirts. It's the only difference. Isn't that true? They're wearing shirts. So you kind of like see them a little bit more. But if you walk through the building, you see them, you see teenagers interacting with 5-year-olds and interacting with 50-year-olds. I love it. I love to see some of the other church staff and how they just they, they make beads for, for teenagers and say, man, you're doing awesome with this. You're doing great with this. See, elders doing the same thing because this church understands that the next generation is not the future of our church. They're not the future. They are the church. And that's the difference between this church and almost, there's some churches doing it right, but almost every other church in the nation because you go, you know what? These, these kids... They're not the future of our church. They are our church. That's why I love to look across the congregation and I see teenagers intermingled throughout of it. You know what most churches do? They take their kids, they take them out of this service, and they put them, and says, Yeah, put them down in the basement in the corner, give them some really cool old couches that don't match at all. We'll even throw some money at them, maybe a youth pastor, and, and see what happens. And then when they graduate, you know what happens? They never come through those doors. But you all do it right. Let me give you some examples. One of the things that we struggle with as youth pastors and as as pastors is telling the story of what happens. And maybe you've experienced this as a parent. You ask your kids, So, what'd you learn in church today? <laughs> Jesus, what's for dinner? <laughs> right? That's what they do. It's so so how was camp? It's good. Right, and it's hard to it's hard to even put to words what happened at NTS. But the thing about it is that God moved. So let me let us give you a glimpse through this video. Watch these students.
2: At first, I was really sure if I wanted to go, but now that I went, it was really like amazing. Like, like people, a lot of people said that as soon as you like went there, you just felt a whole bunch of like love, and like you knew that God was like. Like, he was just doing a whole bunch of good things there. Going to NTS camp was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Like, the previous year, my parents didn't want me to go because it was all the way in Illinois, and I remember just wanting to go so badly, and it was, and I remember I had such high expectations for it, and it was just even better than I had expected. Going to NTS camp was, was awesome. It was life-changing, and... There's a reason it's called NTS, Never the Same, because every person that's there, it's they're never going to be the same.
0: I actually had God talk to me for the uh, first time this year at NTS camp, and uh, I was kind of just, like, laying there in my bed all confused, didn't know what to do, and then I was like, yo, what's up, man, what do you want me to do? And then he's just like, he gave me the uh, story of Peter when... Uh, Jesus was walking on water, and he told him, he was like, "Get out of the boat, come walk with me. You gotta trust me. Because, you go, over you unless you would sink, you know. And like, that's what he was pretty much telling me. He's like, you gotta trust me, or your life is gonna, you know, sink in like bad ways and go into bad things.
2: I really, I really think that God was telling me that I need to let go of my hurt and my anger, because before I went to camp, I was, I was just so mad and angry for no reason. I just, I, I don't even have any words to explain why, because there isn't really he really he really got a hold of my heart and was saying like you're a christian you're a child of mine so you need to show people who i am i'm starting a a prayer group on mondays at stevens for claim your campus just to help get kids to pray for our school because god really spoke to me at nts camp of getting more people for his kingdom what he was really telling me was that like he really really wants me to pursue camp ministry like he's just been repeating that and repeating that like you have to do it make sure you're like pursuing that passion like don't trail off because I've like also had like thoughts like maybe this isn't for me but then he's like no this is for you so always have faith like no matter if you're gonna be sick I'm always gonna be here for you and I'm gonna be able to turn things around just look at what I can do you may be in this situation but just look at what's gonna happen from it I never really, really understood how much he actually loved us until this week he was like, he was just getting to my heart and saying, like, no matter what you've done, I've always been there. I was, it's not a matter of me loving you now after you've done that because I've loved you through that. My whole life, I've kind of looked at, looked at God and the love he gives kind of just uh, as a thing directed towards me. But then going to NDS and talking about the kingdom, it really helped me realize that God's love is for everyone, and that we're all in it together. It's been really crazy for me, like with God talking to me, because He always like He's always like go to, back to the daily verse, just read
0: that. And for some reason, for my problems, for like the past like five days, it's always been like that daily verse is somehow connected, and I'm like, you know, like like He's here, and He's telling me this stuff for a reason.
2: At NTS camp, you can just see students' lives change. Like from one day, it's this, and another day, like they're living a completely new life.
1: What's amazing about, there's two things that I take from, one, you know, if you're not from South Dakota and you're like visiting the Black Hills and you came to church today and you notice like, man, all these kids are like country, they were in cowboy boots and things around their neck, it's not true, it was cowboy day or barn, we had a party in the barn or something, so they had to dress as cowboys, so I thought that was kind of amusing, but second of all, if you notice, they're not, they're not dealing with just simple, superficial stuff, they're getting down to the nitty gritty of the faith and, and they're getting down to kind of what Pastor Todd was talking about last week in, in forgiveness. And they're, 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 they have these, everybody carries bags and hopefully our students have less bags than we do as adults. But the key to living a successful life is, is to start letting go of those. And and when you go to different seasons of life, making sure you're not carrying those bags from years ago into different seasons. That's As parents, that's what I think one of our goals is, to teach our kids to not carry those bags any further. And most of the time, it deals with forgiveness. And that's what they're getting down there. They're getting with the pain and the joys of life, and, and they're dealing with it. And if you heard a lot, they heard about, I actually realized that Jesus loves me. I actually realized that Jesus believes in me. And you all set them up to do that. Let me give you some statistics. We took 175 students to NTS camp this year. You all raised over $19,000, which helped send fully or partially 88 scholarship students to camp. That is amazing. Almost half of our kids were scholarshiped by you. That is what changes a generation. That is what is gonna change that one and five number to three and five or four and five or hopefully five and five. That is what is gonna change the next generation is churches like this. So I'm proud to be a part of it. Now, what's amazing about this parable that we just studied and and that the students studied at camp was that soil is amazing. And what God wants for you and what he wants for me is for us to live and operate in this miracle grow soil. And for our lives to be dependent upon him because a lot of times we don't understand that he believes in us, he loves us more than anything, more than we can comprehend or grasp, that he doesn't look at us and go, (sighs) that he looks at us and goes, that's mine, wow. And he looks at you and he says, you're mine. The fact of the matter is so many of us try to operate as Christians, especially in these two, but some of us even here. And we'll put on this shell, we'll put on this this false face and we'll say everything's great, things are just going great. But then we'll go do something stupid and we'll get our faith choked out. Or our roots won't go deep and when the pain of life comes and hits us, we wither. So here's my challenge to you and this is what NTS and the the youth pastors and our staff tried to do to our students and challenge our students is really just evaluate where are you? Which jar are you in? Which soil are you? I would love to say that as a pastor, I operate in here all the time. I would love to say that. I'd be outright lying to you because you know what? I get distracted. You saw it in my sermon. Squirrel. (laughs) Right? But the fact of the matter is that's where I want to be. Where do you want to be? So my challenge to you is we're gonna show you one more video of an amazing student and kind of her journey. Her name's Macy and and she's just an amazing girl. Um, I've gotten to know her over the past couple weeks and, and just to see what God has done and this realization in her life that God believes in her, that God loves her and that he wants her in that soil. So when we show this video and before you leave those doors today, my challenge to you is where are you at? And if you're in one of these, Maybe think about how you can get out and get into the miracle grow soil. Thank you. Watch this video.
2: So I started coming to Fountain Springs about when I was in sixth grade, and before I started coming to Fountain Springs and before I was involved in the youth group, um, I come from a broken family, and that was really hard for me. Um, I just, I felt like no one really knew who I was or generally cared about me, just I didn't really have good friends or good influences like that. I kind of was just going through the motions for the first couple years um, of coming to Found Springs, but then two of my younger sisters were signed up for NTS camp because my parents thought it was just a middle school camp, so they didn't sign me up because I was in high school, and I didn't care too much for it. I was like, okay, whatever. They come back and they're just totally on fire for God and they're ready to dive straight into the youth group. And I don't know, they were just so much happier. They were just, I don't know, there was something about them that really intrigued me. So I was like, I gotta check it out. So after I started getting more involved in the youth group, I became plugged in with small groups and I really loved that and I loved the connections I was making and I loved the things I was learning. And I also got plugged into the children's ministry on the weekend services. And I learned a lot of things about just children's ministry and other people, and I learned a lot of things about myself. So next summer, um, a lot of friends of mine just encouraged me to go to camp because it was amazing the year before, and so did my younger sisters. They encouraged me to go. And I was really excited, and it matched up with everything I was expecting it to. It was amazing and exceeded all my expectations. And... It was awesome. Um, I learned a lot of things at camp too. I learned more about God and more about how he loves me and believes in me and that he has this perfect plan for my life and is just amazing. I first felt God at camp when when I was in my small group. Um, Just the way everyone was able to open up with each other and just be real and be totally raw who they were and where they came from. It just really meant a lot to me just to make those personal relationships and connect on a deeper level with other students and other leaders. God was just really speaking to me directly that week just through the message and through my small group that I was made for something greater and His plans are always going to be better than my plans and that I was going to do some really cool things in my life even though I had no idea what they were going to be. In the fall, Danielle, my small group leader, asked me what I felt about leading our small group. Um, for a lot of reasons, I struggled with this. I, um, I didn't feel like I was the right person to do this. Um, I felt a lot of anxiety and fear for my past because I used to not be the nicest person, um, which really kind of haunted me for a while. Um. I wasn't sure that that God was ready to use me for this purpose because I felt that there were so many more people that were just more qualified and that were more ready than I was. But whether it was through Bible study or through messages on the weekends, that there was nothing that I could have done or could have ever done that would keep God from loving me for just being me. God was teaching me that I could be 100% redeemed, that he, my slate was my fate and just, and that really gave me peace and gave me hope and gave me just this desire to keep moving forward and just to keep believing and keep breathing just that it's gonna be okay and that I could possibly do this. Sometimes I get frustrated at first with people, or with my leaders, or with Todd, or even sometimes with God, that when they try to push me into places that I don't necessarily want to be pushed or I'm uncomfortable being pushed towards, but without fail, looking back at these strides that I've taken and these places that I've been, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because even though I don't like it in the moment, it always pays off at the end, and. When I'm in the will of God, there really isn't a place I'd rather be.